to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week. I'm Katrina Liebrich with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Yero, a not-so-secret admirer of fishes. <laughs> it's Monday, February 8th, 2021, and we're excited to talk about all the fish. The Fish of the Week is the Shefish, Alaska's biggest whitefish species. And today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Sikork. She's from Kotzebue. And Sikork, we're super excited to talk with you and learn from you today. Awesome. So good to be here. I'm Inipiak, Alaska native, born and raised in Kotzebue, Kikikdagruk. Shefish is one of my favorite fish, so I'm happy to share what I know about it. Awesome. Okay, so shefish, um, I've heard them also called Inkanu, I've heard it pronounced Inkanu, and I think of all the fish we have here in Alaska, they're right at the top of my list in terms of being my favorite. Um, there's just something about a fish that lives, you know, to the same age as a middle-aged human. I just wonder, you know, what they've seen along the way. And they get they get pretty huge, too, like 40-plus pounds, potentially, I think, especially the females, and over three feet long. These, these fish are... Of like the the mega fish, if you can call things mm-hmm. mega fish in the U.S., I bet you these are probably if you were to pull American anglers and try and like, hey, list as many fish that get over three feet long as you can. I bet you hardly anyone's gonna be able to think about this. It really is kind of the unknown fish in that respect. When I try and describe this fish to people, I'm like, okay, now imagine just like a common white fish basically normal silvery scales and now make it two three feet long and then take the head of a snook and put a snook's head on that white fish's body and then you got a she fish where you got that protruding lower jaw that superior mouth that opens up towards the top that kind of kind of like what a snook has if you're familiar with fishing down in the coastal waters of florida and the southeastern u.s it's one of my very, 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 very favorite fish um, to go fishing for just because it's so much fun. And my husband caught one a couple of years ago, about 50 pounds. Oh, my gosh. There's huge sea fish. Everybody looks forward to sea fishing. Um, most people will go later on in the spring when the weather warms up, but it's around throughout the year. People are sea fishing right now. People fish for themselves, and we still have dog teams, and so people also fish for their dogs. So it's a process, an activity that we do throughout the year once it starts to freeze up. So like right now, you know, how are, how are people fishing them through the ice? Are you mostly using hook and line or is there any netting? What's kind of the technique, I guess? People are using jiggers and they're using, they're using their little individual hooks, what we call nixics or the little ice fishing jiggers through an individual hole. And people are also uh, using a net. They set a net underneath the ice through a series of holes. I'm just curious. That's something that I've never seen before. How do you, uh, because of course you would expect a net to have to be furled out uh, across the water column quite a bit. How, How do you guys go about running that under the ice? Guy, it's magic. It's pure magic. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, there's a series of holes that you have to dig or drill. I'd say they're about, uh, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 feet apart or something, depending on how, like, how long your net is. And you put, um, and I used to do this with my father all the time, and I haven't done it in years. And it's a pretty cool process. You put your fish or your net under the ice, and depending on the current, It'll go, you know, to your next hole. They're like a pulley system. You pull, you you pull it all the way to the one end of the hole. 
take all your fish off, and then you have your little rope on the other side. You pull the net back under the water. You set it again. The next day, you pull it out and take off your fish, set it again. Anyway, um, I wish I could be more descriptive, but it's a pretty uh, cool way to get fish when you don't want to get one fish at a time. Real quick, just for clear, are these holes that you're talking about, are they running in the same direction as the current, like one upstream, one downstream, one further downstream, or are they running across the river perpendicular to the current? No, 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 they're like in the ocean. It's in the ocean. Oh, okay. And so it's not in the river, and it depends on the current. So you make your series of holes depending on where you – it's all traditional knowledge, like where are the fish this time of year. So people fish in certain places throughout the year because they know they're going to get fish because uh, a lot of people have, you know, a big family or a big dog team, and it's food. It's food. It's something that yeah. we have to um, live off of. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking kind of like those estuary areas right in the ocean. So you've got like Selawick Lake, which is downstream from the river where they spawn. And you've got Hotham Inlet there in Kotzebue Sound. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, these fish have a really neat biology. They're ca- they're kind of like a salmon where they, they migrate upstream, they spawn upstream in the fall, and then they move down into these larger um, water bodies like an estuary or lake or the ocean where they're able to feed on those larger, um, more new nutritious prey, right? Like herring or different things. I'm not sure what you guys have up there. Yeah. When we get sea fish and you're gutting them out on the ice, there's a herring and there's tomcods. Getting back to jigging for them through the ice, I read somewhere that because of the way these, uh, the mouth of these fish is, where they don't have really any teeth in their mouth or what teeth they have are small, they really have to rely on engulfing anything. So the lures or jigs that you might use for these she fish are smaller than you might expect for uh, similar fish of comparable size. Uh, is that true? Is that not true? Uh, can you describe these jigs a little bit more for me? Well, we buy doctor spoons, and the bigger, it all depends. Every fisherman has their very favorite hook, and we have to experiment. Um, We have, like, the one that has a three-prong. Those are extremely popular. If you have a small hook, the fish is going to get away, you know. My doctor spoon might be about two inches long. And it usually has like a three prong and it all, you know, they all have different colors. They all have different sizes. You get like an 80 pound test because if you get something smaller, the fish are so big and they're so aggressive, then then you're going to lose the big one. Who wants to lose the big one? Everybody that I know, they um, make handmade jiggers, handmade uh, nixics. You make them either out of wood. Um, You could use like a big moose rib. You know, it's kind of um, kind of curved. You have your handle on one side, and you have your uh, line on the other. And you take your line and go to the front and the back of the hook to make a make your line longer or shorter. Wow! Uh, so you're not even using a rod. You're you're kind of got your own setup there, and you're kind of hand lining in a sense with eighty pound tests and a big spoon for giant fish. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, there are smaller rods that you could buy that, that are like two feet long or so, but those are wimps. 
I mean, mm-hmm. and I say that because um, because if you want to lose your fish, up to you. Or if you want to, you know, pull up something that's more <laughs> aggressive and that has more power to the, you know, more of a backbone in pulling up your fish, then you could use that. And I've seen people use um, little rods, and they're they're good. But if you're pulling up a fifty pound fish, you know, your rod's probably going to break. Yeah, I would feel so weird putting line that strong on a tiny little ice fishing reel. I would feel like yeah. I was just setting myself up for disaster. So, no, that makes so much sense. That's very cool. I mean, and just the thought of going out there and using a moose rib or something like that to pull a fish, it just feels right. It feels like that. that's just so cool. Well, not only is it cool, but that's how they lived, you know, for generations. They made their own stuff. You couldn't go to Walmart and go buy a fishing pole. People make all their yeah. own stuff. You make use of all the resources that you have in front of you. People made their own hooks. Um, they used to make them with a uh, little baleen and sinew and ivory and um, all kinds of different ways. People have to be creative in how we fish. I mean, if you don't get food, you starve, you die. I mean, all this stuff that we learn from, thank goodness for our elders that taught us how to um, yep. fish and how to survive. One thing we want you to always keep in mind, regardless of what you're fishing for, is safety. Every week we're going to give you a tip or two that you can use to stay safe while you're out on the ice. Today's tip is straightforward. When you're going ice fishing, pack a rope. If you see your friend bust through the ice, your immediate reaction may be to rush to their aid. Although quickly getting into rescue mode is advisable, getting physically close to your partner in distress could prove perilous for the both of you. One thing that is far worse than one fisherman in the water is two fishermen in the water with nobody on sturdy ice. A rope will allow you to reach out to your friend without putting your own life at risk. Make sure that the rope you bring is long enough to be useful and weighty enough to be thrown. Consider keeping the throw rope neatly coiled in a bag such that the entire bag can be tossed in a way that improves the ease and accuracy of the throw while allowing the rope to unfurl behind it. They designed throw bags for this purpose, I'm not just making things up here. Go check out some instructional videos on the internet if this isn't clear. So in terms of like how you prepare them and how you eat them i mean i'd love to know is there a certain way you're filleting them preparing them how do people like to eat them i mean what are the different options yeah because i've heard conflicting reports out there some people say that the she fish is delicious to eat other people say that it isn't all that good not worth the time it's too oily too fishy and i got a feeling that maybe those people just don't know what they're doing and so i'm curious to hear from an expert it depends on the time of the year we don't fish in the summertime uh, she fished because they might be a little too watery or no taste or fishy. Hmm. And so those people that said it's too oily, blah, 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 they fished at the wrong time of year. Hmm. So um, we fish in the springtime, like I said, in April or so. And that's when the fish are fat and it's oily and it's uh, it's rich and it's uh, moist, delicious, yummy. And so when we fillet our fish out on the ice, I don't know, they'd be about a foot. Anywhere between a foot to two feet long. 
and it's kind of like a butterfly fillet. You got it, and it's just a big, beautiful slab of fish. And there's so many ways to make uh, she fish. Last year, I learned to make fish oil. I've dried she fish. If you get a small fish, small she fish, I can cut it and um, dry it into what's called panaktak, and you dry it in March, April, and it, there's still a lot of snow here at that time. So it's a great time to dry sea fish because there's no bugs. It's, you know, it's, it's the perfect time. People will eat um, sea fish frozen with sea oil, and it's called kwok, and it's a really great way um, to eat fish. Uh, people make akutuk. Akutuk is uh, Eskimo ice cream. You mix, uh, uh, you could uh, boil she fish, you squeeze out all the uh, water so it's extremely dry and flaky, and then you could mix it with uh, caribou fat or moose fat or muskox fat, and you mix it with that and um, add a variety of berries, whatever berries you have. You could mix sea oil in there and sugar, and you whip it up, kind of like a, kind of like a whipped cream or something. Kind of like a, you just whip it. it uh, the fat of the caribou moose or muskox. Once you whip it, it turns just like a whipped cream. I've had that. I've had that before, and it's it's actually really really good. The I've heard it called agudic. And it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, you'd think like, oh, my God, uh, muskox fat, caribou fat, ooh, you know, fish, ooh. And then when you taste it, you're like, holy smokes, this is good. <laughs> it sounds like you would really have to do quite a few sessions of working out at the gym after you have some of that. Like, if I had that every day, I would be putting on the pounds, which if I was living up in the Arctic Circle, you'd have to. yeah. If you're outside in the cold for a long time and it just like burns those calories super fast. So I totally, I totally get where you'd want to have that fish oil and seal oil. Down here though, me working at my desk all day for eight hours, (laughs) sitting down in an office chair, probably wouldn't be the best thing for my diet. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways to have it. People bake she fish. We boil she fish. Um, when I bake mine, I slather a little bit of a layer of mayonnaise on top and add garlic and um, any kind of spices that you like, onions, oh, hot and spicy fla- flavoring. And I like to put um, bits of bacon. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting hungry. Bacon? <laughs> oh, and, oh, my God. You guys got to try blackened she fish. It's Ooh. so amazing. You know, you, you cook it at a high heat with your cast iron and you fry it. With your hot and spicy rub, and it's a blackened she fish, and it's just to die for. That sounds so. Wow, that's I'm just an like amazing. Now. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing diversity of preparation techniques for a single species. We get a lot of fish up here, like salmon, trout, etc. But she fish is the one fish I think that we harvest and make sure that we have available throughout the year because it's a very well preserved fish, and we actually use yeah. our um, our. Um, uh, vacuum sealer. So we go fishing all day, and the next day you spend the whole day vacuum sealing because the fish is already cleaned out on the ice, and you take it home and put it away and um, nice. share it. We send a lot of sheep fish out, you know, all over the state, and then uh, locally too. So yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to catch the next flight up there if it wasn't coronavirus and bring you something to trade and eat some of that blackened sheep fish. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Man, so Sikirik has been a, a, 
a big pleasure talking with you today. Um, I learned a ton and you've got a wealth of knowledge and yeah, we're just really appreciative of your time coming on today to talk to us about she fish. Sure, sure. So when you're fishing, you're never grumpy. So, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. like that tug. So it's a, it's a beautiful fish. It's a lot of fun. It, it's, it's just the best to eat. All right. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to Sikorik for joining us today. That was really interesting. I learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. Uh, we want you to go out and enjoy this week's fish, the she fish, and enjoy all the fish. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebich, and my co-host is Guy Iro. This show is produced by David Hoffman of Citizen Race Car, assisted by Garrett Tiedemann and Kelsey Kors. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. As the service reflects on 150 years of fisheries conservation, we honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individuals, tribes, the state of Alaska, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish.